The ultimate on-demand destination for the UK's best fan-led football podcasts. Featuring teams from across all the major divisions. Discover a league of unbeatable club-dedicated content in just one click. The TalkSport Fan Network. Created by the fans, for the fans. Search TalkSport Fan Network. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Shoreham View Podcast. A great pleasure to welcome to the channel the man, the legend, Dino himself, Brian <laughs> Dean. Brian, welcome on and thank you for coming on. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. So we're going to kick straight in. So obviously you had three spells with United. You scored yeah. just, just shy of 200 goals in your career and 119 of those were for Sheffield United. Do you have to kick off? Nice, easy one. Do you have a favourite goal for us? Uh, oh, good one. Um, yeah, probably the uh, Liverpool get Liverpool goal mm. against um, you know when Grobler came out. And it was like for either of those two, and also the uh, I scored a goal against Manchester City in my last season. Yep. Um, and um, there was a bit of a backstory with that, and it was basically um, I felt as though I was getting a lot of um, grief. And I don't know, it, it, it sometimes comes on Sky and, and, I, and I'd reached this point at the club where I think, you know, there were people who had started sort of like grumbling and saying that my heart wasn't in it and, and, it, and it had really upset me because at that time I had nothing, I, I, I hadn't even thought about being anywhere else. But I think because we'd become reliant on, um, on, on sort of like the goals that, perhaps I was contributing and if we didn't score it you know it was saying oh you know what's wrong with him or whatever and it, it was getting tougher and tougher and I remember you know I scored the game it was um, John Pemberton sort of like played a long diagonal out to Carl Bradshaw and um, Brad has headed it down um, into in towards the box it was just outside the box and, I, and I've hit it on the half volley outside the box and it's flown into the top corner. And, and I basically just turned around and went back to the halfway line. And, and what people don't realise is that I, I started getting stick now. Look, I, I'm, I'm big enough and ugly enough to kind of admit if I'm not pulling my weight, but yeah. I, I was doing everything that was being asked for me. And 
at that time, I felt there wasn't much left in the tank that I could do on my own. Yeah. And, and I was getting stick. You know, there were sections of the crowd sort of like having a go at me because they had read things in the papers that had been said about me by the manager, David, at the time, uh, you know, about things like I come back from international duty and so on. And, I, and it, wasn't, it wasn't true. Yeah. But, you know, we know that, the, the, you know, what people read, they, they get influenced by. And at that time, we didn't have social media. Everything went through one channel, which was the, the, um, the, the manager's view, you know, and, and like any reporters were never going to fall out with the manager, otherwise they weren't going to get any stories. So there was a real narrative and I just felt it was, and I, and, and it was, <clears throat> I think it was at that point that I kind of thought, you know, this isn't, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm doing everything I can, but I just felt as though I was going to have to leave because it was just going to carry on and carry on. And, and like Andy Gray said, you know, when he was commenting, he said, oh, if I'd have scored a goal like that, I'd have, you know, been doing cartwheels or whatever. But that's how I felt, you know, yeah. I, I felt really sad about it as well. It's one of those sad situations. We see a lot of it, especially at the moment, while Sheffield United is struggling, where new stories and what gets said on social media really can can get on a player's back. And yeah. as you've just said, it can obviously it can get to a player, and scoring that goal must have been sweet for yourself. Um, earlier on, when you first joined United, you came from Doncaster. Obviously, yeah. before all all this kind of happened, what was it like walking into into the doors of Bramall Lane and coming to Sheffield United when you got brought in? Oh, it was, I mean, it, you know, it was a whole different level. I mean, for me, I thought that I had won the lottery or the pools as it was in them days. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I just looked at the stadium and um, I came in and I saw, you know, the, the, uh, the car I was coming in, it went over the little hump. And then I saw these pillars in the Sheffield United and I thought, wow, I thought I, I just want to play here, you know, and... Um, you know, it wouldn't have really mattered what I'd been offered. And, and it was, you know, I'd, I'd come. I was just like, wow, this is where I want to play my football. This is where I feel like home, if you get what I mean. It was, yeah. it, it was like it was like a dream had come true. And I'd never, I didn't really know anything about Sheffield United at the time. You know, I'd never kind of, okay, I saw Alex Sabella on the match of the day as a kid. But I, I never really sort of like understood the, the size of the club because I'd been at Doncaster and I'd played in, in a league where, you know, the, the stadiums in those days weren't yeah. anything really to shout about. And then you come to this, what seemed like a, a, a Division One Premier League club stadium and I thought, wow, is this where I am now? I mean, that's... Well, did you find that daunting or was it, did it G you up and kind of kick you into a mode where you wanted to do well? No, it was just really excited. Yeah. And um, everything worked for me because I came, nobody knew me, nobody, you know, the, you know, Harry had brought in um, Tony Garner. There was, um, who else was there? You know, Francis Joseph. I was just a young kid. Mm. So I think from that point of view that, that, you know, Harry was just taking a chance on me, but I'd already been scoring goals in that division as a 20-year-old, 18, 19-year-old. So I, I, I kind of, at the end of the season, um, when I, because I, I got offered a contract by Doncaster and um, I turned it down. 
And um, I spoke to Dave Cusack, who was my manager at Doncaster for a long time, and he'd left the club. And I said, he, he said, where, where do you see yourself? I kind of looked and I thought, well, I know I can score goals in this division. If I could go and play for Sheffield United or Port Vale, I think I could do well. Yeah. And um, luckily for me, Dave, I think Dave... Dave spoke to Harry and because I spoke to John Rudge as well and, and Dave Cusack had done all that. I mean, I've got to give a special mention to Dave because he was my first manager and, um, you know, for, for all the managers I've had and I look back now at the end of my career, you know, Dave Cusack was the one guy who, you know, he, he treated me really like a son. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, the, the way... The way he um, managed me in, in terms of preparation for the next stage, you know, I didn't realise at the time, but it was, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was tough love, but yeah. it was the right thing for me. Um, and, and at that point, you know, coming and playing for Harry then was, I was, I was prepared you know, and it's it's a it's a for me it's a beautiful story because you know Dave's um, Dave's really struggling now, right? And um, you know it, it's you know I spoke to him not so long ago, and I, and I, I made him aware um, what he means to me, and, and um, yeah, it, it was you know to see sort of like. Yeah, I mean, Dave's suffering from vascular dementia now. Right, OK. Uh, and, um, you know, those kind of memories and, and, and those reminders of, of, um, of what he's actually done for somebody like me, you know, it, we, got, we, <laughs> we got quite emotional you right. know, when, we, when we spoke about it. I so, uh, yeah, yeah. I can only imagine um, somebody who, met, who meant that much to you and still means that much yeah. to you. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we wish him all the best going through that. And yeah. it, it's, it's got to be off yourself. Obviously, he said as a father figure and then yeah. everything he's done for you. Um, yeah. I'm not meaning to paper over that by any means. We, we wish him the no, best. No, no. Um, but yeah. but move it, when you moved to United, you, you mentioned Harry, you've mentioned Tony Agana. Uh, yeah. we, we all know the song, Tony Agana, Brian Dean, all that kind of stuff. What, what was, yeah. before we get onto the dressing room, what Harry was like as a manager, obviously you said you'd gone from a father figure to Harry, we'll, we'll get onto that in a second, but yeah. what was your relationship with Tony like at the club? Still is, very good. Um, yeah, you, you know, Tony was, um, I, I kind of, you know, Tony, you know, even though we were competitors, he, he kind of took me under his wing. Yeah. And um, you know we had a we we had a fantastic relationship. We kind of really just complimented each other. He was like a big brother to me, and he still is. You know, right. and um, you know we we talk and yeah. No, he was. He, I can't speak highly enough of Tony. Um, he, he's just one of those guys who's very intelligent. Um, you know, he's a. You know, he's the kind of person you, you wish was still involved in football because he's one of those guys who's just very genuine in whichever right. capacity he, he should be involved. You know, these are the kind of people who you need um, preaching the word of football. You know, I've got a bit of a beef <laughs> in that, you know, uh, you know, it's we don't sort of like look at having 
enough intelligent um, ex-players involved in the running of football. And that's why I feel that football's lost its way a little bit, you know, and, you know, you, you have all these emotions and all these characteristics that are very important and, and misunderstood, I think, in, yeah. in the wider kind of, um, in the wider, wider kind of, you know, story of, of what's going on in football. Um, but you need these kind of custodians still involved as well. Players I mean, a, a, yeah, a, a big a big compliment I can give to Tony is I remember when uh, Tony and Tony used to um, live in Gleedless with Tufty with Chris, right. you know, the manager. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, so uh, you know, it's it's that kind of mentality of you know it was tough in them days for all of us, you know, but we we got through it, um, you know, we kind of we rode the kind of wave of 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 what it is to trans transcend through the different um, years of football, yeah. you know, with everything that it threw at us with, um, you know, the rivalry with uh, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, going into town, meeting some of the players, having this kind of, they're, they're over there and we're over here. You know, we really kind of, in them days, it was, you know, you don't cross the line in, yeah. <laughs> in many ways. But it was it was also fun, you know, and it was there was always... A mutual respect between the players. Um, so yeah, it was yeah. Th- they were good times. Good times. What was it like in a typical Harry Bassett changing room? So so Harry was um, Harry was very much a, a man manager. He was, right. a, he was a brilliant man manager. Um, you know, and he you know he was he was perfect for me when um, when I signed. Yeah, uh, and that was because I needed somebody who could see the signs beforehand. So, for example, um, you know the way Harry would manage would be that I remember I was going through a tough time, and uh, he pulled me in. I think it was uh, when we the end of the first season, we, you know, and I'd, I'd kind of, you know, I was twenty one, and you know, I played all these games, scored all these goals. And, and Tony was carrying me for that back end of the season. And Harry had pulled me in and he'd said, look, you know, you've, you've, had, you've, you've had a fantastic season, you know, but you're, you're still learning, you're still kind of coming to terms with inconsistencies and so on. And, um, you know, but you'll get better. And, and it, it all made sense because I'd had this kind of euphoric rise. And then all of a sudden... You know, I'd, I fell flat, but Tony right. was there, you know. And it was a case of, you know, some days Tony will be, Tony will need picking up. Right. You know, so that's, how, and, and Harry explained all that. And, and, and on the other side of the coin, you know, he would, if he felt as though we were getting too cocky, he would um, put us in our place. You know, even if we won a game, he would, he would kind of, get those warning signs up to say, listen, you know, you might have won, but you're lucky. You've got to watch out for the next game or so yeah. on. So his management style at that time was perfect. The way how he, um, he, he you know, the siege mentality that we created. Um, I mean, I know you want to touch on sort of like me in in, in terms of um, my management career, but I took a lot out of um, those lessons with the likes of Harry. 
Yeah. You know, as well as some of the other guys. But yeah, it, it's it was great working under him. Um, I mean, obviously, we, it was there for a long time. You've got such classics as uh, the big win at Leicester that all Blades still talk yeah. about. You grabbed your goals there. I'm sure you've been yeah. asked this question a million times, and as much as Blades want to hear about it, I'll not dwell on that too much. But what would that overall, if you could sum that day up briefly, what what, what was that day at Leicester like? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a weird day. I mean, we went into the game, and obviously, we we knew it was going to be a tough game. And and we kind of, I think we just got to that point where we thought we just need to continue do, doing what we were doing. Um, and we were almost in playing on autopilot for yeah. that game. So so that side of it was easy. not easy, but I think we'd got ourselves mentally into a place where if we did everything right, it's like when you um, when you're flying an aeroplane, you go through a sequence. Yeah. before the game and we got ourselves into that place where we just had to do all the sequential things and we, we had half a chance of winning but right. it was still hard to um, believe that we were just about to get promoted to the top division right I see it's, so, um... so and and the rest of it just kind of was all in slow motion all the peripheral things you know the fans coming onto the pitch the um the, the the fancy dress, the the weather, everything. It it was like it was all in slow motion. Uh, yeah, it looks as though the players. All, all we've got is a documentary from the time to look back yeah. at. We'll, we'll never know what it was like in that changing room. But yeah. it, there's a famous shot of you just on the sidelines looking onto the pitch, and you look like you're in a daydream. It's like you you're soaking it all in. Was that the case where you just you come off, you kind of realise what the score, you realise the yeah. the magnitude of what's going on. And to breathe that in as a player, is that what days of football are meant to be like? Yeah, so it it was literally, you know, I'd, I'd kind of come from Leeds. Um, you know, I played local football. I had, I broke my leg at 17. Um, double fracture and a dislocation of my ankle. Um and then all of a sudden, you know, I've I've got to where I'd always dreamed of. I'd always prayed and 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 asked, you know, for the strength and and all the rest of it to kind of, you know, that you know this is what I want more than anything, you know. And 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 all of a sudden, it was like you've done it, <laughs> you know, you've you've actually reached where you've kind of always dreamed that you wanted to be. Yeah. You know, so I was just taking a moment to think, I, I don't believe it. I'm a young man. I'm, I'm, I've got all my faculties in place. I'm, you know, this is, I'm on to the next step now. You know, yeah. life doesn't get better than that. You know, that's, yeah. that's real achievement. And, and to do it at the club and, and to have been part of the success of the club, you know, it kind of, it, it kind of cemented my relationship with the club. You know, I'll, I'll never have a relationship with um, another club like I have because it's, it would be, it was impossible to have those kind of memories. Yeah. Premier League comes along, big change to the game. Who goes and nods in the first ever goal? It's only Mr. Brian Dean at Sheffield United. Do you, did they give you the ball? Did they let you have the ball? No, the because I ball? only no because I only scored two. Uh, <laughs> so apparently that that ball is uh, for sale somewhere. I mean, uh, 
Not sure I'd be paying what it's been asked, what yeah. they're asking for it. But um, it's a shame that I didn't get another goal because that would have meant that yeah. I would have got the hatch. That I would have got the, the, you know, I did actually score a third one, but it got disallowed. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it was again. You know, we we were just on a roller coaster ride at Sheffield United. It's like they couldn't have the way how the club was in those days it was it was just a it was like a soap opera it was like watching coronation street the way how it was and and and, and the kind of interaction with the fans and and all the rest of it it was it was amazing um yeah just i was just grateful to be part of it to be honest as, as you said it it, it was like a, a fairy tale but you know at that time it was up and down like a soap opera but then of course you, you mentioned earlier uh, man city goal you felt like it was time to move on you went to the place where you grew up, you went to Leeds. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll leave the, too much of the Leeds stuff to Leeds fans, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, obviously, you a few clubs, and then you returned to Bramall Lane. Um, I think was it was it Nigel Spikeman who brought you back in? Yeah. Um, so um, what had happened was I um, my, my contract had come to the end at Leeds, and and I kind of hadn't. I enjoyed my my four years there. We had a really kind of up and down time. Played in Europe, scored, you know, one of my best ever goals. Um, got played a year, a couple of years, and but I felt like um, the 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 I didn't feel to some degree within the club at times. I felt like I wasn't appreciated, and I and and then they offered me a new contract, and I I actually said to the I said to the um, the the chairman um, Bill Fotherby when we spoke. I said, "Does this reflect what you feel my value is?" Yeah. And and he said, "Well, you know, that's what we're offering." I says, "Oh well, I won't be signing that." And I was, I, I, from that point, I was like, "I'm leaving. Why am I staying here when I've sweated blood for this club? You know, I put in yeah. as much effort there." As I had anyway, I'd made sacrifices that I would never have to make at any other club. I played, I played on the left for, you know, a long period of time. You know, my, my goal tally suffered. You know, I, I ended up on a bench losing. You know, and all these things. And 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 in that last season that I was there, we you know we flirted with relegation, yeah. and um, I felt that it wasn't a fair reflection the offer that they'd made and I thought, you know, I'm leaving. So uh, I, I was going to go abroad and because I'd always fancied, um, I'd always fancied going abroad. Um, but then I spoke to Mick Rooker and Mick said, look, you know, Deansy, he said, uh, you know, they, they've asked if you, you know, I've been asked if you would consider coming back. And I was like, are you sure the Sheffield fans had had me? Because <laughs> I left to go to Leeds and uh, it was like, he goes, you know, he says, what are you talking about? And I was very sensitive because I remember when I came back and scored at Bramall Lane and, um, you know, I was like, you know, all this nonsense now I see with players who, when they score, they don't celebrate. Yeah. I'm sorry. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. But I'm a professional and, you know, if I score against anybody, yeah. my ex-clubs are white, I'm celebrating. And, and it's good to have that healthy relationship with your fans because what it means is to me is that wherever I go, I'm doing a job, I'm being professional. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, I see people going like and I'm like nah sorry I'm going there to score yeah you know, that's your that's job at the end you, of the day that's your job yeah. you know it's like you know come on man you know and all this nonsense so um yeah when I came back you know I, I you know it was under Nigel and, and the project was fantastic um I really um I really bought into it I'd seen that Paul Merson had gone to Middlesbrough and I thought well yeah Okay, you're having to go down a division, but you know what a club to go back to. Yeah, and um, you know I I was happy. I actually got offered a two-year contract at the time, but I said, "Listen, I sign a one-year because you know they'd offered me, you know, what at those times with generous terms." But I said, "Listen, if it looks like we're going up, I'm happy to jump on board with a three-year contract, for example." So. yeah, so, so that was me, and we had a great team. Um, I felt, you know, I felt as good in physically as I had, as I did anywhere. You know, I was now 28, 29, and I was, you know, I'd grown into my body um, really well. I was, you know, I was really mobile, um, and, and I really enjoyed that, you know, being sort of like a senior player at, at the lane at the time. Yeah, I mean, that team you mentioned, you touched on it there. What a, what a team that was. You had Fjortov, Babakis, Quinn, Olds, some great players. Uh, my, yeah. my era at the time, Alan Kelly between the sticks. So that, that gives you confidence of, as a front forward going that you've got that yeah. back up there. Um, Nigel Spackman, what was he like as a manager? Because he, he wasn't there as long as we'd have wanted, really, was he? Yeah, Nigel was a good guy. You know, he was, he was a good man. I loved it. You know, the thing is, and I said I touched on it. I don't know how much time we got, and you know we, yeah. you know I'm struggling a bit. But <laughs> the thing with the thing with Nigel was he had a really good management style, and that was because he engaged with the players. Um, you know, some some managers that I've had over the years have kind of had that authoritarian style. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you've for me you've got to have a balance. You know, you've got to you've got to be far enough away from the players so that they don't get comfortable with you. Um, but also you need to have empathy and you need to have all the different tools in your, in your, in your box that kind of 
gets the best out of your players. You have to be able to create the right environment so that your players can flourish. Yeah. You know, and and, and being being their friend isn't going to do that. You know, so so I had I had loads of managers, and um, I learned something from each one of them. Yeah, and and that's how my style was. You know, people might think you know that I was uh, I'm a softly spoken guy, but believe me, that I've got my, I've got players who don't like me. <laughs> you know, right. for my time, <laughs> but 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 they respect me because I was very honest, and I think. Most players will tell you that if you're going to get left out, as long as your manager can explain why, then they'll accept it. They might not like it, but um, we had, um, you know, I've, I've played under managers who didn't necessarily explain why they'd left me out or why they'd done certain things, and that's the worst thing you can do to a player. Yeah. Is it dense confidence, I imagine, as well as gets you back up? Well, he's supposed to be looking up to this fella, and um, you know he's he, he. You know, I've heard stories about some managers who they'll see a player who they've dropped, and they'll just walk past them in right. the corridor, and you just think, well, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, you well, know, so yeah. what I'll do is I'm going to do a bit of a, a round turn now. Obviously, you said you pressed for time, and your son could run it any minute. Uh, so before yeah. I talk about the like your last spell at United, what we'll do is we'll jump into obviously. Brian Dean, the manager, we'll touch briefly on that. Uh, he went to Norway, went to, I'm going to yeah. butcher this, went to Salzburg 08, have I got that right? Correct. Um, jumped to Norway, a bit of a, out of the, obviously, out of left centre kind of manoeuvre for yourself, but it gave you that chance in yeah. management. First yeah. of all, language barrier. Second of all, first management gig. What, what was that like, walking through the doors there as a gaffer? So, so the... Um... The, man, the language isn't a problem because all the Norwegians, all Scandinavians speak very good English. I, I, um, I used to live in Finland, so I can tell you they speak better English than us at times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of... It was just where the opportunity was. I mean, I didn't get... You know, for all what I did as a player, you know, and I, I tried to get in front of people, it just, you know, just don't get those opportunities. And... Um, I know there's a lot going on now and people will say, well, you know, if you're good enough, you know, you'll get... It don't work like that, you know, and anybody who thinks that, you know, the opportunity for somebody like myself is out there, it's just not... Listen, I did my badges and I worked with Leeds Leeds University, you know, so I've heard people say, well, are you, you know, you know, are are you willing to go and go down into non-league. I went lower than non-league to get my opportunity. Yeah. And then, you know, I didn't stay in my comfort zone. I went abroad. Now, that's... For me, I did that because, A, opportunity, and B, I had to find out whether or not it was for me. Yeah. And um, as I've kind of touched on, sort of like my management style was based on all the managers that I played for. Um, so, you know, George Graham, Graham Souness, Harry, Howard Wilkinson, um, Alan Pardew, Nigel Spackman, yeah. Terry Venables, Brian Robson, Graham Taylor. It's a long list of very um, good managers, isn't it? I mean, that's a lot, yeah, of, that's a lot of good experience, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I kind of, you know, the, the, the beauty of playing under all of those managers was that you, you've faced different situations all the time. Um, and it was, I'd kind of look at it and say, well, which manager 
how would this manager deal with this situation? So yeah. I felt like I had like my own sweet shop with all these guys who I could reference back to. You know, sometimes it was Ari Bassett's um, style of management. You know, sometimes it was George Graham. Sometimes it was Graham Souness, and so on. And 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 I just kind of I used that to to kind of you know, build a style, you know, and, and some of that was crisis management as well. You know, I went, I went to a club who had the smallest budget in the league and um, they said, look, this is the style of football we want to play. And, and I can imagine a lot of people out there would say, well, big centre forward, blah. listen, my team was cultured, you yeah. know, and, and we had to adapt to the players that we had. You know, people say, oh, what style of football do you play? And is it, you know, and, and some people try and put square pegs in round holes. Yeah. You know, but you, you've got to use the, the, the abilities of the players that you've got. You know, there's no point playing tiki-taka if, if none of your players are good technically. You know, and, and, and these are all kind of scenarios that, you know, there's all these romanticists out there and they don't realise that, they, they, you know, like, a manager has to, or a coach has to analyse what he has and how he can get the best out of each player yeah. and adapt a system to, to being able to, um, to, to utilise the, the best things about those players. And not only that, but you've also got to create a good environment for those players to thrive in. You know, you've, yeah. got to, you've, got, you've got to have your players coming in and wanting to go out and train. You know, I, yeah. I had a scenario when I was at, <laughs> Leeds United just before Howard Wilkinson got the sack where there was there was about eight players with niggles who were missing games and it was because they'd lost faith in what was happening down there and they didn't want to go out and it was at the time when I'd, I'd ruptured my um, I, I, I had a torn um, a torn muscle in my groin so I was out for 12 weeks so it didn't really... I was out. It happened on the first day of the season, so I was out. There's a lot of players who, who, who sort of like thought, bit of a tough time at the minute. <laughs> I think I'll spend... And, and um, when, when the manager left and George Graham came in, the first thing that George Graham did was... Um, he said, if you're injured, you're up here till nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 yeah, so I... In terms of management, it was it was a great round, you know, great um, start for me. The, the first season we um, we finished, we managed to stay up with the smallest budget, and then the second year we finished eighth, and um, you know we got to the cup semi final, and I and I came back, um, you know, quite confident that you know I'd be able to do a job at a, a lower level, you know, yeah. even. Yeah non-league I couldn't get an opportunity it's, it's a shame that I, could, I couldn't I couldn't even I mean I went even to a, a local club where I was and I went with one of the directors and I, and I said um, I said to him look you know I've got to be honest with you I'd be interested in having the job here and they didn't they, they, they didn't have a they didn't have anybody in place and I, and I was like, I went, I looked around and I thought, you know what, this would be a good... It was non-league, it was in the um, 
just one outside of the the uh, league two, and and yeah, no, couldn't even get to talk to the people there. And I just thought, and that went on for a couple of years, and then I just thought, you know what, Brian, it's not going to happen for you. And I thought, I'm not chasing this no more. I've got, I want, I want to, you know, I want to forget about you know running around trying to. Um, get an opportunity as a manager or a coach in football and just focus on other things. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but, the, it, you know, it's not just me. There's a lot of experience that, um, you know, whether it's in the co- as a coach or in the administration, sporting director, that's, you know, where there's a lot of clubs that are missing out on that kind of experience. You know, yeah. that, that kind of experience is being lost. Just my just my opinion, and and we're kind of we're looking at people. You know, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here, but you look at the FA situation with Greg Clark. Yeah, yeah. You know what what is he doing? What was he? Regardless of what he's said, and what's he doing as a, as as um, as the head of the FA? The guy doesn't even like football. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agree with and, you. And, and we've you know we we you know. This whole football administration stuff, they, they need to sort it out so you do have some influence and input from, you know, people who understand the game, who have got that experience. Not, You know, I heard another start statement saying that, you know, we, we're not necessarily going to look at somebody who's had a playing background because you have to run a business. Come on, give me a break. You know what I mean? That's why you have a that's why you have a flat hierarchy. That's why you bring in a system where you have split responsibilities. Yeah. You know, it's just all of this, it's just jobs for the boys. It's that kind of the whole status quo thing. People don't really want change. I've seen a lot of things that we've talked about while in lockdown and things have happened. People don't want change, really. The people at the top don't want change. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and I can sit here, you know, and I, I'll tell you the reason why I'm not, um, the not why I stopped chasing it is because I'm getting old and I'm old now and I don't have the same energy to run around on a trip, in my opinion anyway. I don't have that, you know, it, it's that, that, that eye of the tiger has gone because I, I was never presented with opportunities when, you know, I felt that I could do those jobs. So, so I've I've moved on, you know, and you know some people are tailor made for management. Some some are given the suit, you know, and 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 told to get on with it. And some of people have just said, "Well, sorry, son, we don't have your size." And right. I must fit into that third character, that that third category. I think that's the best I've ever heard it summed up. To be honest, that's the, yeah. the best way I've ever heard it summed up. Like to me, yeah. the Chesterfield job's open at the minute, and a lot of people who could probably get that job probably won't. Uh, like you said, though, until people are open to change, genuinely open, it's not going to happen, and that—that's the shame yeah. that we that we face the reality. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't want to waste my time with that. And people can have their discussions. Yeah. Look. You know, I've got over 30 years experience, but I've, I'm, if anybody said, oh, would you come in and do this job? I said, no, it's not for me. You know, the, and, and the other thing that people don't understand is management's very stressful and you have to have a, a mindset. You have to understand crisis management. There are, there are lots of things that, you know, go on that you don't understand. And even when I was in Norway and, and managed there, there were things that I was going, 
I was still thinking about at 12 o'clock at night that I was going to have to tackle the next day. Yeah. You know, and that's those are things off the pitch. And then you're thinking about, well, we lost at the weekend. How are we going to deal with that situation? Or we won at the weekend, or he's played. You know, so it's, it's a whole kind of plethora of um, situations that you have to deal with as a manager. I think a lot of people seem to think it's FIFA or football manager where you walk into a club, you've got all your player ratings lined up, you piss the come here and there, and then that's the game yeah. until game day. It's not that, not a chance. Keyboard warriors, <laughs> like, you know, like I've not understood. You know, even just kind of going out and putting them shorts on in front of thirty thousand people. Yeah, you don't realise that that in itself represents. If you ain't got the stomach for that, you ain't going to make it. Yeah, you know. Obviously, you finished your career with United. Uh, you came for the promotion season under Neil Warnock. I'm not asking you about his dressing room, which has been documented so many times. One thing I do want to ask you is, were they long enough to see the Sudacrep? To watch the what? So, Neil Warnock and his Sudacrep. Sudacrep, <laughs> no. Have you not heard this story? He apparently liked to uh, shout at his players while he would start bollock after a shower and put Sudacrep on himself and make eye contact and all sorts. No, 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 I never saw that. I'm glad, I'm glad. I'm, you've not been scarred like the likes of Paddy and that, have they? <laughs> yeah. uh, that last game when we got promoted to the Premier League under Warnock, um, you came on against Palace. Uh, yeah. We were all in fancy dress and my heart was in my mouth as you nearly, <laughs> nearly stuck it in the back <laughs> of the net. And I was yeah. so good that that wasn't how you signed off, but it was a lovely day for yourself to kind of... Bow, bow out of the plane side and say bye to the Bramble Lane faithful. I mean, was that what it was for you? Was that your way of saying goodbye in a happy way for yourself? Yeah, no, it was, it was like that old Western where the old gunslinger gets to go out, <laughs> <laughs> gets, gets to go out on his shield. Um, well, we'll leave it there. Obviously, brilliant part. Ended up with United. Home to a lot of you, and we all love you as a player. Uh, you've been brilliant for us, and we can't thank you enough for everything you did for the club. And you've always made one of my heroes and uh, an hero to a lot of blades. And it's been a pleasure talking to you and getting an insight into what it was like. And just thank you for coming on, really. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, probably my happiest um, part of my playing career has always been down at Bramalane. Um, you know, I, I think about. When I came down and signed for the for the second time, you know, I actually I was that happy that I cried. Yeah. So <laughs> did know, we? Um, so did we? A lot of us, especially when you left again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but no, you, you know, it's, it'll always be a special place for me. It doesn't matter who comes and goes. You know, I think I'll always have that. Um, I'll always have that um, relationship with the fans. Um, yeah. Because it's where, you know, it changed my life going to Sheffield United. I could have gone to any other club and it wouldn't have been the same. You know, the way other fans received me and, you know, when you get that energy, you know, I used to go on there thinking, onto the pitch, thinking I could walk on water, yeah. you know, and, and that was because of the fans. Thank you. I mean, getting all fanboy now, aren't I? So I'll try and remain professional. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for coming on. We welcome it yeah. rolling any time. You, yeah. you don't need me to tell you that. You know that. Um, and yeah. just thank you for everything, Mr. Brian Dean, ladies and gentlemen. Pleasure. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. We are trying to get a lot more of our video content converted to an audio platform as well. We understand a lot of you out there don't have time to watch the videos and you like to listen to the content in the car and on the go. 
we are hoping to get a lot more of this to you. But if you haven't done already, please head over to our YouTube channel. Please give that a subscribe. Please follow us on social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and the rest. And don't forget to check back here again, because we will be getting some more content to you on the audio channels. Thank you very much, and up the blades. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.